Would you be willing to grab me Pop Tarts real quick? <laughs> just you take the boy. Take the boy. Let's <laughs> say I'm trying out my other microphone on this unit, so I'm hoping that works out pretty good. Yeah. You just got lots to say right now, don't you? <laughs> it's a very talkative night for the boy. Yeah. Welcome back to Dad's Meat World, your weekly deep dive into that classic show, Boy Meets World. I am one of your two dads, uh, main host this week, Tyler, and joining me is... Dad number two, I played lots of video games when I was a kid, Brett. Yes, as did I. Yeah, so wherever uh, Brett ends up putting in that audio, we uh, we're just talking about the Mario movie, and we quite enjoyed it, and it gives you that feel of the '90s, you know, again, and uh, give us more '90s feels. We're talking about Boy Meets World again. That's again. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Um... Yeah, so we, we both saw the Mario movie this weekend, took the families out to see it, and... Uh, I do want to ask you, what'd you think of Mario? Oh, Mario, uh, we enjoyed it a lot, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. The kids, oh, the kids loved it immensely, and I had a, I had a really good time myself. Yeah. I've never seen Grayson react that way to anything ever. Like, he was just <laughs> so excited the whole time. Like, literally, I watched him as he's bouncing in the seat, and because he's so forward... I like the seats just going back and forth, back and forth. So I'm like holding down the seat. <laughs> so he's not just like, he's not going to break it. Um, so, cause I have sat in a seat before in a movie theater where it's broken and it's like, mm. this is not going to work because every time you move, <laughs> it makes a sound. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, Asher was sitting between, right between, uh, right beside Kelly. And so he was between us two and the other two. And he was recognizing which Mario game certain elements were from. He's like, that's Mario Kart. That's Super Super Smash Bros. I, I will <laughs> admit, the first time in the theater, I got to a point that I just closed my eyes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I felt Sarah like push me like, are you sleeping? I'm like, no, no, I'm not sleeping. I'm but just I, resting I, my I, eyes. I definitely passed out for like five minutes. <laughs> Mm. I think Abby's favorite no, part we had, was we had, Mario got the cat suit. <laughs> yeah, Grayson enjoyed that part too. He thought that was so silly. Um, <laughs> you know, it was good. We really enjoyed it. Honestly, uh, we collectively just every now and then we'll start going peachy, 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 peachy. I thought that was an inspired. Character arc for Bowser. <laughs> yeah, Jack Black uh, putting in some of his best work by far. Yeah, I love the choice of Jack Black as Bowser. That was fun. Mm-hmm. The only one that was really questionable was uh, Seth Rogen, but hey, you know, you throw in another big name, he's fine. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't did detract right, from the movie. I mean, you, there's only so much you can do with Donkey Kong. I think he did all right with it. Right, right. Well, that's the whole thing. Is like Donkey Kong is Donkey Kong. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he does a whole lot. So. <laughs> Yeah. Two two dad thumbs up 
right here. What yep. else have you been getting into this week, Tyler? Oh my gosh, uh, I don't even know where to start. You know, the the biggest thing I'll talk about is I'm always amazed to see. I don't like the word "can't." I never, I, I never like to say it myself um, because "can't" is just a word we put to to say that something is hard. And instead of saying, hey, this is challenging, I'm having a hard time with this, you know, my anxiety's raising, I'm stressed about this, we just go, no, I can't do this. And, and it's a mental thing that we have to push through and overcome. Um, and I, I had a, a youth event where I had uh, some obstacles set up. We were doing a Flores Lava Night. And uh, I had a, a section that I told the youth, you have to go through this section if you want to win. And I had a girl that got to the section and looked at me and said, I cannot do this, but I want to win. And I said, well, if you want to win, you have to do this. Um, to make the long story short, too late, uh, we uh, <laughs> this girl uh, completed the thing, and I was just so proud of her. And then she ended up winning the night, so... Um, it was a really good, good first uh, Flores Lava night. Uh, I was really happy about that. But more importantly, uh, this past Friday, I showed a bunch of teenagers my favorite movie, and that movie is Clue the Movie. <laughs> and I warned them because I, I, I know this generation. Uh, I said, listen, there's going to be things in this movie that was made in the 80s about the 50s that... You know, it may not sit well with you, but remember, it's just a movie. Um, so just hearing, you know, teenagers laugh at things that I've been laughing at since I was, you know, a toddler just brings joy to my heart. So nice to know there's some jokes, some movies that are just really enjoyable and classic, you know. Awesome. So they didn't try to cancel the movie. Uh, no, they didn't. Actually, several of them said, I'm really glad we're watching this right now. Cool. I always love when when the younger generations discover older stuff that they fall in love with, you ever going to try mm -hmm. to show them Goonies? Uh, you know, Goonies is a lot more <laughs> questionable things in it that, uh, I don't know if these guys are ready for that. Uh, yeah, that one's a little bit harsher edges. <laughs> yeah. A lot more harsher edges, but, uh, yeah, I got no problem showing some old classic, uh, TV shit or but movies. It, that's for it sure. It fits in with the theme. Goonies never say die. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather show them Cobra Kai personally. <laughs> what are you up to, Brett? What's new in, what's new in the uh, house? The hizzle. A little bit up and down. Wow. Uh, I was supposed <laughs> I was supposed to uh, join my brother and uh, some of his friends at the uh, home opener for the Cleveland Guardians last Friday, and uh, I had to miss it for illness. So that was sad. But uh, we're recording this a couple days after Easter. Easter weekend was uh, was a good weekend for us. Very uh, fun weekend. Uh, we had. Uh, my parents came over, um, all of my nieces and nephews were over, uh, a couple of my siblings came over as well. We had, oh, let's see, do some quick math here, three, six, seven, eight, somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 or so plastic eggs in our backyard. There's still four of them back there. I'm going to find them with the lawnmower in a few days. <laughs> 
And uh, so, yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, food, good weather, getting to sit out in the backyard, playing some giant Jenga and, you know, uh, got to take a, a good group photo with my, my parents and all their grandchildren for the first time in the longest time. And uh, we have one of those web swings that uh, one too many of the cousins got on and the rope snapped. I think the rope was just took too much stress through the winter. And uh, <laughs> our youngest, Asher, unfortunately took the brunt of the fall and he landed face first <laughs> and in the dirt. And uh, Oh, poor Asher. He looks like he went a few rounds in a Cobra Kai dojo. And so when he went to school this morning, nice. uh, they were off for a long weekend. When he went to school this morning, we were, I was telling him, you know, when your teacher asks you what happened, you should tell her you should just see the other guy. Mm -hmm. Classic. He just gave me this look. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, good week. Good weekend. Had its ups and downs. But uh, yeah, overall, good weekend. Nice. We, we were walking today. Um, our church did a Easter egg hunt. And so... We, my son and I were walking because you know, they still had a day off today. So we're walking around. And all of a sudden he goes, hey. And he runs over by a tree and grabs an egg and goes, look, daddy, another egg. <laughs> you go, well, I guess it's yours now. Well, there you go. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. good joys all around. That's right. So enough about Easter eggs and lava. Let's talk and, about teenagers making out in closets. Yeah, making out in closets. <laughs> what teenagers do. But first... Peachy, 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 peachy. Oh, yeah. We're going to look at the ninth episode of season two this week, Fear Strikes Out. Now, in this episode, Corey and Sean go to a makeout party. But when Corey cannot get through seven minutes in heaven with Topanga, he becomes the laughingstock of the school. This episode was written by Susan Estelle Jansen, directed by David Trainer, originally aired on November 18th, 1994, and currently has a 7.7 .7 rating on IMDb. Real quick, I feel like we should pull up... Uh, how long they're talking in the uh, closet because from the way it looks as if their conversation on the whole is like maybe a minute, minute and a half or so. So you're telling me that they're just in the closet for like five minutes, not saying a word to one another. <laughs> I can definitely pull that up in the background here and I can scrub through and see their conversation. Their time in the closet is two minutes and 20 seconds exactly. Okay. So, I mean, still, we're four minutes. Four minutes and 40 seconds of them just being still inside the closet. Now, I mean, unless Topanga tried to talk to him or was hoping he would talk and just finally, <laughs> like, she just went crazy and decided talking. But, you know, being somewhere for, like, 10 seconds of dead silence is awkward in and of itself. Yeah, <laughs> but throw it. And granted, it is TV time, but I'm sure we'll get to that when it we get to that part of the episode. TV time. <laughs> I agree. In a flash, as, it's as three we like weeks to from say now. here on Dad's Meat World. Episodes, episodes got, got episode. episode. <laughs> we 
we start off in the cafeteria uh, with a question. Seven minutes in heaven? Um, and our friend Sean tries to describe to Corey <laughs> of what this is and what the deal is. Do you have any of this clipped? Or? Uh, I didn't clip their conversation, but... I'm going to like this game. <laughs> I love Corey's lip-ups. <laughs> So uh, we're learning that they're going to go to a makeout party and they're going to play seven minutes in heaven. Apparently mm. that's the goal of this whole ordeal. Now, Brett, um, I don't know about you, but I've been to, to parties in the past and I wasn't aware of any sort of potential making out or anything like that until like you're actually at said party, you know. So, like, just the idea of, yeah, everyone knows that there's a seventh grade makeout party that's going to go down just strikes me as odd. Yeah, at least in my part of the world growing up, it's not necessarily something that would have been publicized. Um, Now, granted, I did not grow up in the more progressive parts of the country. I grew up in the Midwest. It was a more conservative part of the country. But. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, pr- promoting and advertising that, hey, here's a makeout party is not something we would have seen. And even at the parties we went to, I mean, it's not something that was going to be high on the radar. Hey, let's all go take turns locking ourselves in the closet and everyone else outside watches. We, I kind of feel like mm-hmm. we had a little bit different focus. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <sighs> This is just part of that episode has to episode, in my opinion, like we got to explain the rules to the audience. We got to explain why they're going this way. And we have to justify Eric being in this episode. And kind of Sean, too, really. I was a little bit surprised. This is like the first time we see Eric willingly acknowledging Corey in the cafeteria. Uh-huh. And engaging Up to in this conversation. Point, he's really ignored him and not talked to him at all. In this episode, he is full-blown. I mean, granted, most of his time is messing with his brother, but he's acknowledging his presence. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and he's, he's talking to him. He's engaging with him. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he's walking behind him, talking to him. Nobody's talking to you. He's getting on Corey's nerves. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, I will say that my brother and I, I've, I've said before, he's hes older than me. So mm-hmm. when I was a freshman and he was a senior, do I have any idea if we had the same lunch together? No. And you don't <laughs> know why? Because we ignored each other. I had no idea what classes he took, how close we may have been to one another at any given time. You know why? We never overlapped. And that's just the way things were. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I don't know if I saw my brother one time during my ninth grade year through uh, <laughs> the first day to the last day outside of uh, we're leaving now. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, explaining the rules. Eric is starting what I'm calling a psychological warfare on his brother because <laughs> uh, apparently he's decided that he needs to mess with him. So that way he knows that he is scum and uh He's going to mess up. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you what I did clip, though. I did clip Mr. Feeney and Mr. Turner's conversation. Yes, that's the one I'm so concerned about. Hit us with that clip. George, George, George. What? Who that? Don't look, don't look. Now, 
Mr. Turner, we are not in high school. Well, yes, we are, but we're teachers, you fool. Teach me about her. Oh, that's Miss Tompkins. She replaced Edwina Muncie in our social studies department, mercifully. Did you hire her, George? Yes, I did. Had a boy. Take a shower, son. You said miss. You didn't say Ms. or Mrs. That was an is. As an is must be my lucky day. She is indeed single. She is also highly intelligent. That's okay. Mr. Turner, I frown upon faculty becoming involved with faculty. Then it's not a policy. It's just a facial expression. Go ahead, skip blithely into the minefield of extracurricular romance. Thanks. I'm just going over to say hi. Welcome her to our school. How's my hair? Long. I would watch a show of just featuring Mr. Feeney and Mr. Turner. <laughs> you know, you have to wonder why they didn't take advantage of Mr. Turner and that younger vibe of, you know, just a bunch of adults hanging out. Well, Every now and then going into the school. They tried. I know they tried in season three when they brought Eli on. They wanted to try and capture that friends dynamic a little bit. But they just, I don't know. The network just wanted them to try too many different things. But but here, I, I love what they capture here with Mr. Feeney and Mr. Turner. It's, it, it's this... <laughs> This very, I mean, we've we've seen several times this season this clash of old school educator versus young, hip, groovy new new school education model, and we've seen the sparks fly between he's the groovy? two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> earring boy, and we've we've seen the sparks fly. We've seen the butt heads. We've seen a little bit of a friendship develop, but here we get to see the the interpersonal workings between the two, and we get to see them have mm-hmm. a little fun together and not have a wager on the table or anything. And you know, sure, Mister Feeney's got a little bit of the administrator here, where he's. You know, he's a little concerned about the policy of inter-office romance, so to say. But but it's just a lot of fun. It's a great B story. It is. It's, it's one of those nice distractions of showing of, hey, teachers aren't always worried about educating kids. They have lives, and those mm-hmm. lives sometimes just play out inside the school. Yeah. And there is so much great 90s cheese from, from Anthony Tyler Quinn here. As it is, must be my lucky day. <laughs> uh, I will report to you that our teacher extraordinaire correspondent, uh, I did ask, <laughs> uh, hey, are teachers allowed to date other teachers? And her response was, yep, we have married teachers, too. Mm-hmm. Now, before we go any further, I want to bring up Miss Tompkins here. This is yes, Catherine, Catherine Cat Tompkins, uh, played by Darlene Vogel. This is the first of four appearances she'll make on Boy Meets World. She has a total of 41 acting credits. Uh, started out on the soap opera One Life to Live. She appeared in Back to the Future Part 2 and a few... Uh, peripheral items like a video game and a few other things that were associated with that showed up on full house northern exposure csi house castle uh the ranch and a few other things 
Wow, she only is in four episodes? Yes. She's just another one of those characters that I feel like <laughs> is in so much more of this show. Mm-hmm. She is, yeah. But yeah, just four episodes. Oh, interesting. What is she, who does she play on the ranch? Uh, I'm not sure. I would have to look that up again. No, it's not a big deal. I just... <laughs> <laughs> all those made sense. And also got to the ranch. I'm like, the ranch? From um, from the clip you. that was auto-playing on her IMDb page, uh, she looked like she was a waitress or a bartender. Uh, makes sense. Anywho, just great interaction between Feeney and, and uh, Mr. Turner. I will also say that I love the immediate, George, 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 what? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, just Turner coming in with the energy he has and Feeney just being like, why? Why? We're on a, our lunch break. <laughs> Who that? <laughs> <laughs> and also, I, I will say, I, I'm just going to say for the record, uh, even grown men can end up being slightly horned dogs. So it's nice to see that... I notice a lot of times that Turner will have a parallel story to either Sean or Corey of, Mm -hmm. well, this is what it's like in high school. And then it's like, oh, this is also what it's like in the adult world (laughs) and how it's not that different. One is just more, quote unquote, refined. And the other one is we are barbarians. We have these emotions and, and feelings and we don't know what to do with them. Yep. One just got a little more experience in knowing what to do with those hormones. They know what to do with their hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is a great segue. Corey finally goes to ask what all this tick, tick, tick time bomb is about. I'm just concerned you're not prepared for the makeout party tonight. I know how to kiss. <laughs> you think it's that simple? I mean, what happens if she has braces? What happens if your nose is hit? I mean, what if a hanger hooks you like a largemouth bass? <laughs> Do you even know what to do with your hands? No! Is is that important? Look, some things you can learn, but some things, it's it's already too late. I've got time. No, you don't. You ate the beanie-weenie casserole, right? Tick, tick. Oh, my gosh. Why is that bad? Cor, deep down, does the thought of kissing somebody make you tense up? Absolutely not. Okay, then. All right, all right. I wouldn't say tense up. I would say I become very alert. So you'll be there at the makeup party, very alert. Your intestines full of beanie weenie. You lean in for a kiss, and you fly across the room. Great, great visual. Ah, yes. (laughs) Um, I I have to say, I'll say just real quick. I'm not trying to give advice on, on kissing, but uh, if if you're kissing somebody with braces and your mouth gets hooked like a bass, you done something wrong. <laughs> if you're in a closet kissing someone, yes, and, and I agree with the same the same uh, preface. Not that we're giving advice here on Seven Minutes in Heaven, but if you're kissing someone in a closet and you get hooked by a hanger, you really have done something wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Uh, I don't know how else to say it. I... 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 
<laughs> we we do not want to give advice. <laughs> um, I okay. This is, this is what I'm say, and we may have to get rid of this. I don't know, but <laughs> you need to be comfortable with the person you are with, and if you feel that you are in a, you feel comfortable enough with that person to kiss said person. A, just, you know, don't be weird. Does that make sense? <laughs> and just take your time. Like, don't try to force anything. That, don't try to make it more than it needs to be. Just allow things to be natural. And you may say, it doesn't feel natural. Well, no, it doesn't. But maybe it's because you're in front of the wrong person. And don't just try to make out with someone just because you think that's what you're supposed to do. Because unfortunately for Corey, it feels like I'm supposed to make out, so that's what I'm here to do. Instead of just going in with, oh, I'm going in with my friend. This friend and I talk, so let's go in and let's talk and figure out where both of us are. Because <laughs> I'd argue later on in the episode that's the reason they kiss each other, not because of the the environment, but because they actually had an open and honest conversation. And, you know, honestly, that's the way they've kissed before is open and honest conversation. And then it happens. Mm -hmm. But anywho, I don't know what of that I really want to be released, but just... The thing, the the dad advice I can give is don't do anything just because you feel you're supposed to because that's what you're supposed to do. And the dad advice I'll give is no kissing till you're married. <laughs> right, because that's possible, Brett. <laughs> I had a roommate who did that, and I'm sure that first kiss at the church was very awkward. <laughs> Well, no, no, they were, that was their plan, but they altered it a little bit. Um, no, I'm, I, okay. I'm not advocating <laughs> for people to be making out left and right. I just know what happens when two people fall in love. Well, this episode got a little awkward really quick. <laughs> well, it's a weird and awkward conversation, Brett, and we don't have our wives here to make awkward. So we're just the ones dealing with the awkward. All right, so let's stare awkward in the face and dive into the party, shall we? <laughs> yes, let's get to the party before we both <laughs> say something we shouldn't. So we walk into the party. Corey's kind of nervous. Sean's all, hey, buddy, I'm here with you. Don't worry about it. Just relax. I, I find it interesting that everything Eric told Corey that he's not going to be ready for it shows up right there as Corey walks and he notices he's looking for he sees braces he sees a wool sweater and uh, okay hold on hold on Corey really has a thing about wool this is the third time it's <laughs> popped up and my goodness he is worried and he has a thing about wool he really Continues. does <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Sean wants him to carbo load and he sees bean dip. <laughs> oh, man. He turns to run and Topanga shows up. Boy, what a great party, huh? I was great. I was in the closet 14 minutes. I'm going to go home and ice my lips. <laughs> Corey, Eric was right. It, it, too much can go wrong. Corey, chill. 
you're gonna be fine. And you know why? Because right up until the second you go into that closet, I'm right here with you, no matter what. Because it's Corey and Sean. Sean and Corey. Sean and Melanie. See ya. Ah, uh, yes. The classic, I'm with you for no matter what, buddy. Hey, there's a girl over here. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Sean had every good intention, but then Sean's name got called. And there's a girl. Yep. His yeah. hands are tied. What can he do? I, you know, there's nothing. And we'll give we'll give the John. This is John, by the way. This, apparently, this is his party because he's the one calling the names. We'll give him a shout out. This is John, played by Benny Luciano. Uh, at this point, his last name was he's credited as Benny Grant. I'm guessing he changed his last name. Uh, or Grant was well, just he, a name to be a little more accepted in Hollywood at that time. Very possible. I was going to say there there is that time period and probably a little bit still of you need to hide your heritage. Yes. Younger, good looking people. There was a time in Hollywood that, as Tyler mentioned, uh, it was a lot easier to get work if you were less uh, exotic, shall we say. Yeah, there's a, a documentary called Showbiz Kids, and a lot of them talk about that is that they had to change their name because it was either too ethnic, too potentially, you know, mm-hmm. Latino, any of those things. Even if they weren't, and they just had a name that kind of sounded different, it was something that they shouldn't do. So, yep. Well, this is the only time he shows up on Boy Meets World. Uh, 21 total acting credits. He showed up on shows like Night Court. He hit Family Matters, Step by Step, Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. Uh, did a lot of voice acting on Aladdin, Tailspin, Bobby's World, uh, the Fantastic Four animated series that ran in the 90s, Extreme Ghostbusters, and a few others. Lost Galaxy is a good season of Power Rangers. <laughs> I stopped watching before they got to Lost Galaxy, so. You don't count. (laughs) Hey, I was there at the beginning. I stopped watching once they went into space, so. Well, again, that's the best season. But also, to be clear, I'm a grown man that doesn't mind watching Power Rangers, so. I didn't say I minded. I just said that's where I stopped watching. (laughs) Anyway. Seven minutes goes by, apparently. What happens, Tyler? <laughs> well, Sean walks out. Apparently, he did uh, some interesting work in there because he's got a different shirt on. <laughs> he's got that giggling, half-asleep look that he that he gets periodically now. Yep. Well, apparently, Sean was very busy in there. Corey, the closet is your friend. <laughs> Sure, sure, Sean, if you say so. <laughs> He's trying his best to make Corey comfortable. You got to give him that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. This, for for me, this, I, I'm not, I'll, I'll get a soapbox in a minute here, but the idea of changing your shirt in the closet, it's almost a bridge too far. It just seems, granted, this was, the style of many layers and it was easy to have Sean go in in one layer of shirt and come out in a completely different one but it just seems like a very odd joke to play <laughs> that the guy would go in and come out in a different shirt visual cue that something happened in there but 
wow, Sean changed a, a, a button-down shirt that he was wearing on top of another shirt. Seems like a cheap, lazy joke is what I'll call it. <laughs> well, and it makes you wonder, did less actually happen in there than what they want you to believe? Mm-hmm. Because I know that they make it seem like Sean just has this way with girls and is amazing and blah, blah, blah. But maybe Sean was actually more scared than what he wanted to admit to. And maybe the girl was willing to. He's like, ooh, change your shirt because I'll make it really seem like something happened more than just a few pecs or whatever. Like, it's just... There's just always this this part of the show that as as we're watching it now as adults, that I'm like, you know, I know they want to portray things in a certain way, but maybe everybody's just lying about what they are good at and what they're not good at. And yeah, there's parts that Sean is quite good at when it comes to getting the ladies, but you know, maybe less actually occurs than what they want you to think potentially occurs. It is possible. Because, again, everybody in high school, middle school are lost and confused and are just trying to figure things out, including the popular people. Sometimes especially the popular people. A lot of the popular people. Can't buy me love. Give that a watch. (laughs) Ah, yes. So what happens next, Tyler? Well, what happens next is the thing that everybody knows is going to happen next, and that's Corey and Topanga ends up in the the uh, closet, because who else is he going to end up in the closet with? I never with? would have expected that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. well, I will say this is the uh, last episode that we'll have Topanga in for a little bit here, but mm-hmm. Corey and Topanga sure have been interacting with each other a lot, including they this episode. Have. Yes, and... Uh... I clipped their conversation here. Um, so let's listen in. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. I want to do what everyone else is doing. So you're just doing this so you won't be different. I'm just trying to survive this. Oh. No, it's not you, Topanka. It's me. I just can't perform under all this pressure. It's okay. Relax. This happens to lots of guys. How do you know? Well, you know, girls talk. Oh, man. Listen, when you talk to girls, this did not happen to me. Nothing happened. I mean, something happened, but whatever was supposed to happen did. Corey, you want to just talk? Could we? Now, I give a lot of credit to Topanga as a character for having the maturity to sense that Corey is really not comfortable and offering to just sit and talk and not care what's going on. And knowing that even in that moment where Corey is just running off at the mouth and he just wants to get through it and survive and not realizing that he's really stepped all over her feelings in that moment, she she takes it in stride. Well, you could argue that she's the one that holds the emotional maturity between the two of them. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Go figure. But yeah. it, it's really true. Of As we've said before, Topanga is very mature and is very much aware of what she wants, the things she's interested in. And one of those things happens to be Corey. But she's very much waiting for Corey to realize 
that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and you it's still just another sign of, yes, uh, they could make out here. They have kissed each other before, but Corey clearly is not with it all right now. And he is in his head. And so she takes the approach of, well, if he's not going to move, I will talk to him and find <laughs> out what's happening because I care enough about him to do so. Yep. And uh, I, I know this is TV, but this is a pretty sizable closet, don't you think? It's, it's a very <laughs> large closet. This is like walk-in level closet. This is like walk-in and dance around closet. Um, yeah. But, you know, Corey and Topanga. They, no, actually, no, scratch that. That's bigger than my walk-in closet. <laughs> this is bigger than all the closets in my house put together. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they make their plans. They talk about what they could do, you know, smile a lot, change his shirt, get stupid sleepy look. Corey innocently tells Topanga she could change her shirt, too, and then realizes what it sounds like. Um <laughs> And then she twists the knife, telling him that he's a he's uh, a nice. And we yes. get a little peek into Corey's psyche here. Guys don't want to be nice. We want to be, you know, tough and good with appliances and good kissers. It seems to be Corey's interpretation of being a guy for the last season or so. It's, yep. it's kind of always how he's always viewed what being a guy is. Well, it's it's not that out there to say that's how he views his dad. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've seen in the Matthews household when something breaks, Alan fixes it. Mm-hmm. When there's a problem with one of the devices, you know, Alan works on it and works on it, gets frustrated, but he eventually figures it out. Yep. Um and he sees his parents getting romantic. So clearly mm-hmm. his mom must be happy. So his dad must be doing something right. So oh, dad, it's not it's, even it's dark not yet. out there to say this is how he sees his dad. But he doesn't also see the other parts of it of when he is emotional with his wife and when he's sad with his wife and um, all the other parts that make their relationship work of their communication. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I agree totally. I can't believe you didn't think I could cheat on you. That hurts. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> it's at this point that I, I got to get on my soapbox a little bit. Get on it. What happens next where Topanga is, you know, she's telling Corey that there's only one way to get good at kissing, and that's to practice. I really feel like at this point, if the shoe were on the other foot, we'd be having a discussion about Corey pushing his own agenda on Topanga. Because Corey is once again expressing that he is clearly not ready. And yet Topanga seems to be pushing to I mean, he's he's making a comment about practicing on his arm for an hour every night and yet the situation Topanga is clearly in the driver's seat and clearly pushing for him to actually practice with her in that moment despite his protestations that he's not ready yet granted what four episodes ago three episodes ago you know less than a month boy meets world world time he grabbed her in his room and 
planted a big wet one on her and she called him an animal. But <laughs> a little bit of mixed signals there. But in this moment, if if we were looking at it and the shoe were on the other foot and Topanga were saying she's not ready and Corey was the one that was insisting, we'd be having an entirely different conversation. And so this is my soapbox. This is not something that I am comfortable with in that moment to be seeing as, as much as I, as I admire the character that Topanga is written to have up to this point, I'm not happy in this moment and I'm not comfortable with the characterization in this moment that even though she is, as you, as you put it, she is, she knows what she wants and she, she wants him and she's just waiting for him. I feel like this is taking that driver's wheel too early and trying to be too firm too soon. Yeah. Well, I, I think that not to put the blame fully on the writers and then uh, Michael Jacobs, but there, there always is that element of you want the cruel girl, the, the girl that will pursue you, make the effort towards you, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so it feels like it's just playing into that fantasy of, you know, Topanga <laughs> being more that girl for Corey. Um, but no, I agree with you. Like, in my opinion, they have already lost the battle if they've waited, I don't know, six minutes <laughs> and 40 seconds to get to this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like now again it's tv time but their conversation is not that long so unless they're only in there for two minutes to maybe three minutes and then they open the door you know because well we know that it's been seven minutes but you don't know it's been seven minutes <laughs> that type of bullcrap um part of my language <laughs> Um, Sorry, good looking people. But, you know, it's just... (laughs) Thank you. It's just that thing in TV where the whole goal is just to get to the joke. Mm -hmm. Get to the joke, get to the conflict. Episode's got an episode. We got to get this thing moving. Only got 22 minutes. Only got 22 minutes. We got to get into the problem. (laughs) Problem of the day. And, and yeah, I mean, I I understand the conceit, and I'm I'm okay with the conceit, and I'm okay with it. I just... I don't like the choice creatively. No, I don't either. It just doesn't sit well with me with where the character has been up to this moment and where she'll go. And I, I don't like the message it sends in the moment either, especially with the message of the episode as a whole. It just, it just doesn't sit well with me. No, it, it doesn't. That's why, I don't know. It also just feels like they missed the mark on that as well of who this character really is. Mm -hmm. And it feels like potentially her expectations were something it wasn't met. So she's going to take it into her own hands, Mm -hmm. Uh, which unfortunately leads to the embarrassment of Corey sitting there looking like (laughs) a duck and the door opening lips puckered door opens and everyone sees, and he tries to mess up his Brillo head. Yeah. So, anywho, uh, everybody sees, everybody starts to giggle. We find Corey back at home, and Amy comes in and goes, oh, tell me all about it. What happened? <laughs> Did you kiss anyone? 
Oh, yeah, and man. Alan's all, Amy, please, if you want grandchildren someday, <laughs> leave the boy alone. You, me. Later. Details. Let's talk later. <laughs> yeah, details. Which, okay, Brett, I'm going to ask you. You got teenagers. Would you ever ask your children or would your wife ever ask them questions like, tell us what happened at the makeout party? At the makeout party, no. But, um,. Without potentially embarrassing my children, um, yes, there has been a first kiss, and yes, Kelly got excited. Um, of course, not, she did. Not necessarily to Amy's level of excitement, but it's not unrealistic. It's a little amplified mm -hmm. for TV, but I was not necessarily to Alan's level of you me later details. But I mean, there's you know, there's some conversation there. Well, I mean, I okay. First of all, I totally see Kelly being super excited about uh, getting those type of details, and mostly your children sharing with her what they're comfortable with, and also you, you know, being stoic of you know, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I will say, we learned of the first kiss a lot sooner than we learned of the new girlfriend. So interesting. <laughs> um. I mean, there's just a point where you just you stop telling parents stuff, is my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I just remember being like, hey, uh, my parents are tired of me saying I have a new girlfriend. I'm just not going to tell them or introduce another girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, uh, Eric uh, decides to talk to him. And uh, I did clip this one. Yes. <laughs> nice. Give me that clip. So, Studley, what happened? Tell me. You got a minute? Yeah. You won't need it. <laughs> Nothing? Less than. So, were you the only guy at the party you didn't make out? Well, Alvin had a rousing asthma attack and had to leave early. <laughs> Rather than him, the cheese stood alone. Core, I want to say that in this, the darkest hour of your youth, trying very hard not to laugh. <laughs> Can't do it. Oh, such a comforting big brother. <laughs> hey, you big brothers suck. <laughs> <laughs> we can, but we can be really good, too. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen any justification for Eric being a good big brother so far, so. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to get a, we'll have to, like, get some sort of celebratory I don't know, some sort of celebration for when we see Eric be that great big brother. Well, I know for one, whenever he's not being a good one. He did stand up to Harley Kiner. He did stand up to Harley Kiner. You're right. You're yes, right. Yes. He had about five seconds of being a big brother. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, they're in the same room. They're talking about stuff. Mm -hmm. And he, it's not like he hasn't been interested in his life this day he just took an opportunity instead of supporting Corey to just mess with him so that is a big brother thing to do mm -hmm. i don't think they would do this with morgan by the way no he does seem to be a much more invested big brother with morgan at times oh yeah but um i mean yeah what can you do it's it is a good joke. I will give them that. <laughs> it really <Of> is. Eric <laughs> kind of just 
enjoying Corey's misery. And it's very it's, it's true to funny. life. Very true to life, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And we get to go to school, and Corey is the amazing lipless. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird nickname that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, apparently, if you can't make out in the closet, you have no lips. Yeah. Yeah. I okay, Again, I will say, just as I'm thinking about this, when they open the door for Sean and his girl, they're not making out. They're just standing there. Yes, but Sean. I'm very, sure that's because of the whole acting situation. Yes. You know, you're just, they're standing behind the door. But like, how many people are actually going in there making out with someone? Like, it seems like I'm just going to go on the record and say, I think more people had moments like Corey and Topanga and just these girls just agree to lie for them. So that way, none of the guys egos were bruised. Very possible. Corey might have had a better opportunity if he wasn't Topanga in there. Yeah. And of course, uh, many of people are making fun of him. And Sean's trying to tell him, just deny. Deny the whole thing. Because? It's not what you did. It's what they can pin on you. <laughs> Hello, Sean's relatives. <laughs> deny, deny, deny it. And Corey goes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And then he turns around and sees Topanga. But Corey's different because he is a really nice boy. That's the last thing Corey wants to hear. And the, yeah. the look of sheer horror on his face as they fade out is just, he's shattered. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just because he didn't kiss me doesn't mean he's some kind of freak. Any boy can crawl into a closet with you and, and make out, but or kiss you, but Corey's different. <laughs> He's a really nice boy. He's a really nice boy. I mean, in fairness, that is one of the last things you want someone to describe you. Oh, in seventh grade, that's the last thing you want to be described as. <sighs> uh-huh. And then Harley comes in because Harley wants to give some supportive words oh. as an older student body yes, I, I clipped Harley's poetic in <laughs> his his poetic interlude here there's an inspirational thought I would like to share with you I cried because I had no shoes until I met a boy who had no lips <laughs> that's a good one Ollie. that's a great one I'll be laughing at that one for years and years I'm gonna be telling my grandkids about it like 60 years from now unless I don't have grandkids and then I guess I'll have to tell some strange kids in a park and the cops will come and say hey you in the rain shut up obviously depressed, so why don't you just leave him alone? Over here. Why do you even care about nothings like us? Because you seventh graders are my little ant farm. I watch you work and play and run through your tiny tunnels. And when I hear that one of my little ants is getting his legs ripped off, well, I can't miss that. And here I thought my life had no meaning. Glad we could brighten your day. Okay. Can I just say that Joey the Rat is one of the best, like, <laughs> just, he takes something just in such weird directions that you just sit there and you go, where are you going? He, in the span of like eight seconds, he goes from enjoying Harley's poetic thought to being a, an old 
childless guy in in a raincoat in a park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that the cops have to tell to stop talking to kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um it's just Joey has a very active imagination. Uh, Joey needs Ritalin. <laughs> yeah, probably. And maybe some tranquilizers. <laughs> probably. You know, <laughs> To add to our theory that Joey is actually a son of a pastor, uh, there's a chance that, you know, his father has said things like this to him before of you keep this up and no woman is ever going to want to marry you. And then you'll have no grandkids. And then who are you going to tell your stories to? You're just going to be some old man in a trench coat in the hall, in the, <laughs> the park that the cops have to come and say, stop talking to kids. Maybe. <laughs> All right, it's canon. It's canon to our podcast. Joey's, Joey's officially Pastor's kid. <laughs> He's a PK. <laughs> yep. I like it. All right. And the seventh graders are Harley's little ant farm. Yeah. Isn't that a, okay? That's an interesting metaphor for Harley and how he views mm-hmm. the seventh graders. And it, it fits so perfectly. It does. I mean, I so well. I never had an ant farm, but I imagine that's exactly what. I mean, you just sit and watch them build and and live their lives. And if you're a particularly sadistic person, you would you know play God with them and you would shake their little habitat. And if you're if you notice that there's a fight going on or there's one that's getting picked on, how are you not going to watch? I and mean, Harley mm-hmm. is. There, his well, aunts. and it's <laughs> it's that thing of we talk about Harley being kind of a shark mm-hmm. that when he smells blood in the water, that's when he attacks. When you when you're at your kind of weakest or you're you you show a sign of uh, well weakness, I guess is the only way to put it. That's when he comes in and just makes it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, and I will say, at no point have we physically seen Harley get physical with anybody. But definitely, you know, emotional torture is his uh, big thing. Yep. <laughs> I uh, I love that uh, we go back to uh, Ms. Tompkins. Ah, uh, yes. Trying to get the skinny on Mr. Turner from Mr. Feeney. I didn't clip any yeah. of this, but... Uh, I That's just... all right. This is an <laughs> amazing conversation that you need to see for yourself. And essentially, Miss Tompkins is trying to figure out, is Jonathan Turner a nice guy? Is he dangerous? Who is he? Is he a bad and boy? And Feeney, Feeney believes that he's saying things that's going to make her, you know, not be interested in. But every time he opens his mouth, <laughs> he plays right into he her just hand. becomes more interesting and... <laughs> Yes. I like what, he, he always goes, wears oh, his he always helmet. Wears his, his he helmet. wears his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that his heart out there? No, it's mine. It's mine. <laughs> well, you've been very helpful to me. Believe me, it was unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. And then we go home, and I did. I clipped this little uh, interplay here for Corey in the kitchen. School again, okay? I've made up my mind. I don't want to discuss it. All right. So Noah had his pace cup, and he reached over and took your pace cup, and he ate it. And Mrs. Brookholder wouldn't give you another pace cup? No, she's a witch. Sweetheart, I think in the future. It's paste. My entire high school career crashed and burned today, and you would rather talk about paste. 
Would you like to discuss it now? I choked at a makeout party, okay? Eric told me I choked. He warned me I choked. But like an idiot, I went to the party anyway. Oh, Corey, your first parties with girls are always a little awkward and... Awkward? Mom, this wasn't awkward. Losing your gym shorts while climbing the rope. That is awkward. <laughs> and burns. This was beyond humiliation. Way beyond. This was... This was... Agubwa. Agubwa? It was so bad I had to invent a word for it. <laughs> Eric said I'd choke. But did I listen? No! Aside from Agubwa, uh, the key word in all of this seems to be Eric. Oh, so you noticed that too. Agubwa <laughs> is one of my fondest, most prominent memories of early Boy Meets World. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I could see that. <laughs> Corey expresses uh, himself pretty clearly there. It's straight. Yeah. No, no dancing around it. Straight ahead. I choked at the makeup party. Eric told me I would, and it was so awkward. I had to make up a new word for it. Agubwa. <laughs> yeah, and I like how initially he he comes in well this is how i feel about this and they go okay back to the thing we were talking yep. about just let him come to you I, I i kudos on the parenting he he makes this big flashy statement and okay he, he said he doesn't want to talk about it clearly he does but he said he doesn't want to let let him come to me yep. <laughs> I love their parenting sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, they're trying to be a supporter. Like, well, you know, these things are going to be awkward. Well, Eric said this and Eric said this. And clearly I should have listened. <laughs> like, hmm. Key word besides Agubwa is Eric. Eric. <laughs> oh, yeah. Agubwa. Agubwa. Uh, so Eric and uh, Alan and Amy end up talking mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, uh, Corey seemed to be a little just. Uh, disruptive or disturbed uh do you know anything about that oh well, what would i know about that <laughs> and uh alan goes well you know like you're not in trouble or anything just tell us you know what happened he goes oh i just kind of messed with him and told him that everything was going to go wrong that's playing with you, his head you bought that <laughs> yeah got a little in his head goes, oh man you're in <laughs> such, such trouble, trouble. <laughs> but, but but you said, said <laughs> i wasn't gonna i was just playing with your head <laughs> Sorry. Sit down. <laughs> now, I, Alan, when he, Alan's playing with Eric's head, it skirts the line of lying to him, but I'm okay with it. It falls into the, that poetic justice form of punishment and consequences for Eric because Eric has waged such a psychological battle on. Corey, that he's running around saying things like Agubwa. Agubwa. <laughs> <laughs> and he's laughing at it. He's put his brother into such a tizzy that he's he, he he's messed up. I'm perfectly okay with Alan looking at Eric and saying, You're not gonna be in trouble, knowing full well that he just told his son a lie to get him to come clean because mm -hmm. Eric is fully living in his own lie. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's it skirts that line of lying, but at the same time, I'm okay with it because he needs to get at what's underneath there or he's not going to get Eric to come clean. Well, and, and the other part about this, too, is he needs to help Eric understand of what he did was wrong. Exactly. And, and so he, he did tell a white lie to get to the point of you caused your brother to to be this way. Mm-hmm. You did this. He was fine before and he would have figured things out just like you. But you got involved and you, you know, it's essentially it's like those old school little toppers, you know, mm-hmm. you just spin them around and you just watch them just go, 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 go. And then eventually they fall like that's that is Corey and we he's officially fallen and now just kind of rolling hoping to get back up eventually and I, I just love it he goes they go well I think uh till Corey dates you shouldn't be able to date either yeah I'm too cute to stay home <laughs> <laughs> but you know again it's very fair punishment oh totally fits the crime yeah mm-hmm. so yeah I I don't want to give a full pass to everything that it, Amy and Alan really do this episode, but honestly, their parenting is spot on this episode. Like, they're supportive of Corey, they try to help him, and ultimately they realize, oh, it's our other child that is the problem. Mm -hmm. We get to the cafeteria where Eric is trying to uh, convince Corey that he needs to try to go on dates again. Corey's like, I don't think I'm going to do that. He goes, well, <laughs> if you don't date, it's like I don't date. If you're home on a Friday night, it's like I'm home on a Friday night. It's because he like is. You are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he describes that uh, he it, it's like uh, taking the the. Uh, Oh, gosh, I can't talk. Training wheels. Uh, Training wheels (laughs) off your bike. You know, you gotta you gotta get back on after you fall. Apparently, Corey lost six baby teeth and scraped half of his face off. Yeah. Interesting. He he needed the training wheels on a little bit longer. He wasn't quite ready. (laughs) You know, if you fall and make that much damage, probably. Now, I will say when I got my training wheels off, I (laughs) did go to the ER that night. Because <laughs> uh, we were up by the neighbors, and I, oh, you know, you this, but but uh, good looking people. My my house, like we had like a slight hill to our neighborhood. Like it wasn't dramatic, but it was just enough that if you're new to being on a bike, you feel it immediately because you you pick up speed way too quickly. And so we're only two houses down and I start going and I accidentally go into the road. And the moment I hit the road, I completely face face pan, uh, I pancaked essentially. And, uh, <laughs> got a nice giant scrape on my chin so they had to uh i think they stapled it no they taped it that's what they did they taped it so yeah fun fun time all around uh losing your uh, training wheels but uh eric is describing hey you know you gotta fall on your face it's fine and i'll take you to the perfect place for you to go on a date yes. he goes well no one's talking to me besides sean and topanga and he goes take sean no topanga you, you animal. <laughs> oh, you animal. That's right. You animal. Yes. So. Ah, ooh. <laughs> ah, ooh. So where is this place that's just so unromantic that you can take a date to that there is no pressure at all to make out? 
nursing home. That would be a very unromantic date. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot less romantic than this place. Scrabble right? with some okay. senior citizens. <laughs> I, I'm going to throw this out there. I think Sean, or Eric, Sean, I think Eric purposely took him to a place that could be romantic and just yeah. made Corey think, again, just like his dad did, tell him a slight light, white lie to help him. I think Eric is very, very sly on this one. I think he was very crafty. Yeah. It's almost like he's also learning from his father. <laughs> almost. <laughs> but this is clearly a redressed chubbies, but I'll 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 buy it. Oh my gosh, so much <laughs> of a redressed chubbies. You walk down, you mean like are every single eating establishment in a basement? Yeah. You're like, that's the same exact banister. The same banister. Now I have I have not spent much time in Philadelphia um at all. I don't know that I've ever actually been into the city of Philly. Um I don't spend much time on the East Coast, but uh, if we've got any good looking okay, people, you, Philly, okay. you live in Ohio. You're not that far off of the East Coast and, and that side of Philly. I know. It's not that far. I spent a lot of time in Maryland and, and, and Indiana and, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, of course. I've been out to the West Coast you, a few times. You live times. right beside us. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I haven't really been out to Philly. But, um, all right. Good looking people. If we've got any of you that live in Philly, uh, let us know. Are there a lot of eating establishments that take up residence at the basement level, just below street level? I'm curious. <laughs> I have a friend who lives in Philly. I'm going to see him in a couple months. I'm going to ask him too. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm just going to be honest. I think this is truly a TV is TVing because I swear there's always eating establishments under places like apartment buildings and whatnot it's just i can't help but think it's just a thing i kind of hope that philly is unique and they have a lot of that but i'm, I'm gonna oh, ask my okay. friend I who will, lives out there so i i will say that we do have one establishment that used to be a public library and so you walk up some stairs and you're at like a nicer area you go mm -hmm. downstairs and you're in like a bar so potentially maybe that's what it's like it's not necessarily like a like a giant building, but it's just, hey, there's a restaurant above, restaurant below, and they just the up, they're connected, but not the same. The upstairs of Chubby's is actually black coat and tie, or black tie and coat required. Right. Anyway. But anywho, <laughs> we go to yes. uh, the nice, uh, slick version of Chubby's. Yes. Realize that Corey can't say cappuccino. Uh, they've got the uh, cap new see No. And Topanga gives her own little uh, coffee order. Clearly you have knowledge of other worlds. In fairness, it does. The first time you look at a coffee menu, you're like. <laughs> it's overwhelming like, the first what time. <laughs> what is this? Just what? What What am I looking at? My my first time looking at a coffee menu board uh, when I was willing to actually order off of one, I had no clue what I was looking at. <laughs> mm. Well, 
I think I'm going to say the first time I actually saw one was when we were at the Pittsburgh Project. And so I was just like, uh, ah, you have bottles of Coke. That's what I'll have. <laughs> <laughs> but in college, we had a place called Biff Cat, which is right across the street from mm-hmm. main campus. It's actually a professor who owns it. The first time I was really trying to understand this sucker, and I still went with hot chocolate because I was like, <laughs> I'm not really into coffee, so I'll just go with this and be happy. I, again, I do love that you have knowledge of other worlds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Clearly. But we finally yep. get to see Frankie's poetry. Yes. Poem of the fierce and bloodthirsty samurai warrior. <laughs> the cherry trees are blooming. On the third evening, the last flower dies and falls. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and I just, I, okay, as tough as Harley Kiner is, he is there supporting his friend. He is. All right, you got that out of your system? Let's go. <laughs> but he's there. He is there. He wished to remain anonymous, but he's there. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I love how supportive uh, Joey the Rat is. He's oh, very yeah. supportive. He thought it was deep and beautiful and smack someone on the head to make sure they liked it mm-hmm. Joe, I'm going to say it Joey may just be one of the best friends in this whole show <laughs> he very well may so essentially uh, Corey and Topanga start getting into a conversation about what happened in the closet and, and I like this very frank conversation they have and essentially of Corey saying Gosh, you have no idea how hard it is of like, should I go in for the kiss? Should I not go in for the kiss? What type of kiss should I do? Blah, blah, blah. And Topanga's like, well, I'm waiting for you to come and kiss me. So do you think that's easy? And I think it's just it. This is a great conversation that should have happened beforehand. And, and it's a good conversation in general about of what are expectations when you're in those situations and are you willing to talk those things out? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I never want to put mine and my wife's relationship on a pedestal or anything like that. Cause I don't think we, we have this life figured out perfectly. I, I really don't. But anytime in our relationship, especially when it comes to those more intimate things, we have a lot of discussion about those things of, of what are we actually comfortable with and, and and what are the things that, you know, help bring us closer together mm-hmm. and, and understanding that it's not just about these physical things together. It's about what emotions come along with it mentally. What can we handle and, and what do we think is okay for us to do um, on, on that spiritual level as well? So I think that I'm, I'm really happy they're having this conversation, but knowing the type of friends they are, they should have already had this conversation, mm-hmm. especially since Topanga's already kissed him at least once. Corey kissed her a few weeks, maybe a month or two ago. So there's no reason why these two haven't talked about this yet. Other than the fact, and again, and the, People, good people at home can quote us. Episode has to episode. (laughs) In stereo. Yeah, I I agree with completely. It's it's a conversation that they need to have. Um, Realistically, it's one that they should have had somewhere between uh, Who's Afraid of Corey Wolf and Here? Because, I mean, Mm -hmm. real world... If you're kissing a girl, 
like he did on Halloween night, there's more than just, she's my girl. She's my friend. She's my girly friend. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's, there's more than that. I, good looking people. I, you, you can call me old fashioned or stodgy or whatever you want to call me. I, I, I'm not a big firm believer in the whole friends with, with benefits or, I just want to go kiss whoever I want, however you want to phrase it. That's shocking. If you're, I know, shocking. I'm 40. So what? Um, <laughs> if if you, <laughs> if if you're in seventh grade and you're grabbing someone with that much emotion and kissing them like that and howling afterwards, um, it's more than just you're my friend. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you. you that's a conversation that should have happened by this point. I agree completely. Uh, but no. it's good that it has it, happened now. Yeah. But it's this weird zone they put these two in because they keep giving these romantic moments. Yet at no point after this are they having conversations about going steady or, you know, what do they call each other um, since they have now kissed and I'm guessing made out a couple of times mm-hmm. um i don't know the show gets kind of wishy-washy about their relationship and what that all looks like and how long they're together how long they're not together and, and how long their <laughs> boyfriend girlfriends how long they're not all that jazz yeah, so i i, I want to sit down and look at the production codes at some point here and see because I, I know abc would air these out of order sometimes and mm-hmm. sometimes sitting down with the production code can see if maybe they were a little bit better in the writing process to see if they line up a little a little bit more in sync but I, i'm curious there well, I mean, I will say that Corey and Topanga look younger two episodes ago than they do right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if just when they ended up, you know, producing it compared to when they actually aired it. But there is a difference in the first so many episodes compared to what they're doing now, I guess, is what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. So... Who knows? I mean, we've had a lot of Topanga so far this season. And after this episode, we're going to have no Topanga for a while. But we do get into some really good classic Boy Meets World episodes that you can't have with Topanga there. Very true. As much as we love her. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Yes. But uh, a gentleman uh, pops up and starts... uh, Somehow having a very uh, sexual uh, Nick Nick cut style uh, experience. Yes, uh, and this, metaphor. This this gentleman, this poet, is, this sensual poet is Donovan, played by David Greco. Is first and only time we'll ever see him on Boy Meets World. Only has seven acting credits, and this was his first acting, at least his first credited acting gig in Hollywood. His biggest other appearance in Hollywood was he showed up twice on Monk, and he has not showed up on camera since 2013. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, talks about nibbling for a little bit. Nibble. And uh, it Nibble. does. Okay, I will say it doesn't take long for multiple couples to start making out the moment he starts uh, 
uh, doing his thing. <laughs> Maybe it's just well known that there's a poet who gets up there, uh, and when he does, uh, that's he the cue for everyone like to start a regular. Yeah, he seems you know, like the regular. This, I'm thinking this may be Eric might know this is like it, Donovan probably comes in like once a week. He comes in on like a Friday night and probably. Friday night is like beatnik makeout night. And Eric knows this. And this is why Eric picked this coffee house. Maybe. But uh, we get away from the making out teenagers to get to uh, Mr. Feeney. Uh, asking for information from Mr. Turner. Oh, yes, and I did clip this one. I love it. So, Mr. Turner, Jonathan, Johnny, how goes it? Fine. You know, I had dinner with Catherine last night. Did you, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, for heaven's sakes, man, what happened? Did you like her? Did she like you? Are you going to see each other again? Give me the skinny. Curious, George? I set you up. Now give. No. Hi, Guy. Hi, Kat. See you tonight. I like her. (laughs) If you freeze at the very end, right after uh, John says, I like her, you can see this joyful smile this gleeful smile on Feeney's face that just shows you he is so happy at this result mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Feeney's played matchmaker and he's so happy <laughs> yeah. well it's just that part of Feeney if he's more than just the teacher he's more than just the principal you know he can be happy about two people finding love he is a giant proponent of love and you know is even very much encouraging and gives advice to Corey. Just a matter of if he takes it or not. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Curious. But also, George. I will say if, if as as Alan comes to him, oh, almost home improvement like, Feeney mm-hmm. will give him advice for him and his wife. So yes, and I, I it's always teaching, even though there's not a moment, uh, not a second in this episode that takes place in a classroom, Mr. Feeney still manages to get a little bit of teaching in under, under the radar. Always. Uh, yeah. And then Sean's kind of perplexed of you're telling me you made out with Topanga in a poetry club. Yeah. Or poetry reading. It's it's this brand new dating technology. (laughs) Never mind Lord Byron and all of these other great poets that are famous the world and history throughout at crafting these verses and sonnets that would that, that would make people swoon and and fall Leave it to a seventh grade boy to be completely dumbfounded that poetry can actually stir something in a human being. <laughs> uh huh. Well, and it's so funny because, again, Sean's trying to figure this out. Corey says, I think I could be a poet. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. And they write this fun poem together. There once was a boy named Corey. <laughs> he now has an interesting story. <laughs> he learned about kissing. And all he was missing. When he and Topanga made out. (laughs) 
Sean has very few things on his brain. Sean, can you say summer school? <laughs> yeah. Then Topanga walks by with a gaggle of girls. Oh, yes. I love the term gaggle. It's fun. <laughs> well, I don't know what else to refer to them as. And they walk away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because girls talk. Apparently. Yeah. Girls talk. Girls Clearly, talk. Uh, she was talking. <laughs> yeah. When are they going to leave me alone? I like that after all of this has happened, everything that's happened, gone down this episode. Clearly, I'm assuming... At this point, Eric's punishment has been lifted because Corey went out. Corey is now comfortable uh, dating, I would assume. Eric is willingly sitting at the lunch table at school with Corey during his lunch period. Shenanigans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit of a little too TV, but. It's a nice little yeah, button. I mean, it, it is a nice little button. And also allowing for Corey and Eric to be a little more, I guess you could say, on the mature side. And clearly Sean not being there yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's call Sean a emotional late bloomer. Yes. Sean may have hit puberty first, but emotionally he's a little bit behind. <laughs> yeah. Well, we go to the tag, and it's more uh, dramatic poetry reading. Donovan just can't get away from those canned goods, can he? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just so funny because you're you're going through the crowd, and all of a sudden you pan to Turner and Miss Tompkins, and then you pan over to Alan and Amy Matthews, <laughs> and then you pan over to Feeney and some random lady. Is this his dentist? Maybe. I mean, okay, let's just be real for a moment. We established pretty pretty well in this, especially this season and the next season, that Feeney's got game. Oh, yeah. It's just we don't see him in that light normally. So it's just so funny him just sitting there with a random lady, you know. Yeah. And there. I, I like the expressions on Alan's and Feeney's face. Alan is just kind of curious and curiously confused because this is alan's world that donovan's talking about alan's talking about Uh the produce aisle the canned good aisle this is alan's world and he's thinking this is is this this is sensual feeney meanwhile is just got this look of flustered pain i I, i'm thinking feeney is wishing that donovan would have some sort of rhyming scheme to his poetry that made sense to this this old school educator. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a critique on the uh, <laughs> grammar. Yeah, I don't think George can make it through this poet without giving him a grade <laughs> and not a favorable no. one. <laughs> well, and it's it's that whole thing of, well, maybe teenagers can see past this, but I can't. <laughs> Although there is an English teacher and a history teacher in the back, uh, definitely willing to see past it. Oh, yeah. They they really don't care what Donovan's got to say. They're a little too focused on each other. Yeah. Hashtag Nick Dick Cut. <laughs> Who that? That a boy. Take a shower, son. Do you want to give a quick hot take on what you thought about the whole makeup party? So Corey did clearly not have a good time. 
and Topanga was trying to defend him. How do you felt they handled the whole didn't actually make out? Like, do you think they were mature about it? Like, what did you feel? I mean, I think they were mature because, um, you know, obviously you shouldn't do things that you're not ready for. But, uh, again, with the double standard of what's expected at these things from boys and girls versus, you know, what people feel comfortable with. But I think they handled it maturely by not by not doing what they were pressured into. Now, I think Topanga was trying to be mature in the Corey's a nice boy, but, you know, it comes across as... I don't know what you want me to say. I don't want you to say anything you don't want to say. You said such a hot take from the other episode. I thought you may... I wasn't really paying attention as much this week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then the two questions are, what do you think about poetry? It's boring. From the way that the show (laughs) describes it. I mean, I don't mind poetry as long as it's interesting. Although I've never experienced poetry as a uh, straight makeout session. Mm -hmm. Also, like... Are poetry readings a thing still? Do people do them? I've never been to one. I know they do like open mic nights at coffee houses, but that's not necessarily just poetry. But uh, I've never experienced anything like that. (laughs) Also, my thing at the end is it's really creepy that everyone is at this poetry uh, uh, reading because like, if this is like a makeout session poetry thing, why would you want your teachers there and your mom and dad and then your <laughs> principal? Like, I would be hightailing it out of there if I was a teenager. Also, as an adult, probably would still be hightailing it out of there if I saw my kids there. Now, the last question is, how would you feel if our oldest child is doing... Well, I would work psychological warfare on our younger child about going to a makeout party. I would not like it. He would be in a lot of trouble for teasing his brother like that. Yeah. And Henry has some very strong opinions on that, too. Those are some good ones. <laughs> but as far as the psychological warfare is concerned as the older child, I enjoy how Alan lulled, lulled him into a false sense of security to get him to admit to it. And I feel like the punishment was appropriate in if he doesn't go out, you don't go out. <laughs> it reminds me of 10 Things I Hate About You. I'm too cute to stay home. Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? Okay, so let's start with Seven Minutes in Heaven. As we know, it is a uh, kissing game. You go into the closet. Apparently, it can be done either by using uh, spin the bottle format or you just pick names like they do in the show or apparently you vote. Apparently, the first recorded 
incident of this were originated from is in 1953 and saw it was out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks a lot, Ohio. Well, figures it comes out of Cincy. <laughs> sorry, good looking people if you're from Cincy, but yeah, well, you know. Well, sorry that you live in Ohio. So essentially, I do have different references to Seven Minutes in Heaven. There is a movie called Seven Minutes in Heaven, but that's nothing to do with the actual game. Apparently Teen Wolf mentions it. The best one outside of Boy Meets World that I've seen do Seven Minutes in Heaven would be from 13 going on 30, where the main character goes into her closet waiting for a boy and she's actually blindfolded to be kissed. But that's supposed to be a prank, not actually playing the game game. Essentially, it's one of those things I think has just been in pop culture as a this is a game that you play. And again, I'm just going to say it. I think it's more talk than it is actually anything occurring. I will say I did learn that there is a web series called Seven Minutes in Heaven with Mike O'Brien, who used to be a writer for SNL, who would get actors and comedians and people that are guest starring on SNL to go into a closet and... (laughs) do a small interview. I didn't watch any of the clips, but I'm assuming it's funny because people look awkward. And, you know, when people are awkward, it's kind of funny. The term of making out or petting, uh, as it was once referred to, is essentially, it was popularized in the 1920s as a youth cultural change, basically challenging the uh, earlier Victorian era structure on sexuality with a rise and popularity of petting parties, as it's called. These parties' promiscuity became more commonplace, breaking from the traditions of monogamy or courtship. This expression of, with their exception of eventual marriage, is typically on college campuses where young people spend a great deal of unsupervised time in mixed company, essentially. So, essentially, the point in which I'm bringing that up is that there's definitely, after the Victorian era, a desire to, and probably after the whole Spanish influenza of young people wanting to interact with each other more uh, intimately, more directly. So that's why we bring that up. And of course, I'm sure that over the course of all history, there were plenty of things that teenagers would do similar to as Seven Minutes in Heaven, you know, interacting. And there are things like Spin the Bottle, which we aren't going to get into right now because that's not what we're here to talk about. What we are here to talk about is psychological warfare, use of propaganda against an enemy uh, supported by such military, economic, or and political measures as may be required. Such propaganda is generally intended to demoralize the enemy, to break his will to fight or resist, and sometimes to render him favorably disposed to one position. So let's just say that you have a younger brother going to his first makeout party, and you just start to tell him about, you know, the clock and knowing that the clock is ticking. That's a way basically to do something psychological warfare. We also see this with communications media. Most commonly used in psychological warfare are the same as those used in civilian life. Radio, newspaper, motion pictures, videos, books, magazines, from a large part output leaflets that are often widely used. World War II, for example, had a lot of leaflets that were put out. So essentially, all this is to say is that our good friend Eric was definitely using psychological warfare on his brother because he thought it was funny. Eric thought that it would be funny to see his brother squirm. He did. And then he laughed, not realizing that what he was actually doing was actually quite hurtful, quite mean, and clearly going to affect his relationship with his parents. 
he mentions about training wheels, which made me wonder, what's the deal with training wheels and why do we have them? So what I gather is that when we started driving cars, only adults could drive cars, clearly. So before that, people were just riding bikes everywhere because that was the best means of getting around. So after the cars came around and now it was mostly a car lifestyle that we had, people needed to start putting bikes in the directions of children. So instead of it being a means of transportation, it became more of a toy, more of a luxury, those type of things. And thus kids had to learn how to ride the bike a lot earlier in life so thus they had to start putting the training wheels on so that way kids wouldn't fall and hurt themselves because they were riding bikes a lot faster than they were beforehand and they weren't able to balance as well and of course if you've ever helped someone take off their training wheels you know that it's very difficult to get used to balancing when you've had that support balancing you beforehand for the record if you don't fall when on getting off your training wheels i'm going to call you a liar because everybody falls it's just the way it goes that's why it's best to do training wheels takeoffs in the grass because you will fall you will hurt yourself and it's okay if you're a young person out there that never took off your training wheels come talk to us because we'll help you out because those are the type of dads we are that's right (laughs) i looked up poetry clubs in philadelphia brett oh and you want to know what i learned what'd you learn there's plenty of uh a little poetry clubs in uh the Philadelphia area. Is Donovan still appearing and writing about Kling Peaches? Uh, That I don't know. But what I do know (laughs) is that there's a place called Pen and Pencil. There's the Fedora Blues Club. Assuming they play more music, but, you know, they still have poetry there as well. The Hop Sing Laundromat. Laundromat? Apparently that's in Chinatown. The West Oak Lane Jazz and Arts Festival. Time. That's it. Uh, World Cafe Live. The Tattooed Mom, Raven Lounge, Fergie's Pub, and Steel City Coffee House Brewery. Now, again, I will say, I'm not sure how many, like where specifically these things are and what they actually do in each of these clubs, but when you type in Poetry Club in help.com, that's what you find. And last but not least, let's talk cappuccinos, Brent. It's an Italian style of a doing coffee this is an espresso based coffee drink is traditionally prepared with steamed milk foam so the consumption of coffee uh, in europe was initially based on tradition of ottoman preparation of the drink i don't know what that means but sure bringing up to a boil and mixing of the coffee and water together sometimes adding sugar the british seem to have started filtering and steeping coffee already in the second part of 18 18th century and france and continual and continental europe followed suit by the 19th century coffee brewed in different devices designed for both home and public cafe adding milk to a coffee was was mentioned by Europe already in the 1700s and sometimes advised. Cappuccino, as written today in Italian, is mentioned in the 19th century and is described as black coffee with a few drops of milk or cream. Modern Italian cappuccino evolved and developed into the following decades. Steamed uh, milk atop is a later addition and in the U.S. slight misunderstanding has led to the naming of it being this cap of milk foam, Monk's Head, although it originally had nothing to do with the name of the beverage. So the expression was introduced at the beginning of the 20th century after Luigi 
Pezzera of Milan filed his first patent in 1901, although the first generation of the machine certainly did not make espressos the way we define it today. So essentially, like most things, uh, we have a misunderstanding of what it actually was supposed to be and a misunderstanding now and differences of what it used to be compared to what it is today because life. Stupid Americans. <laughs> yes. The first small uh, small cup appeared in 1950s. Wow. All anyway, right. so those are your deep dives. All right. So let's move on. You know anything about the Odyssey? Huh? Did I say you could talk? I didn't teach you that. My friend Mr. Matthews will lead the discussion. Do I have to draw you a picture? What did you learn this week, Brett? I was reminded that it's important to remember to not rush into anything you're not ready for, especially in matters of relationships. Um, this episode specifically uh, spoke to the physical side of a of a relationship. But really, it expands to all parts of relationship. Um, when you're a teenager, when you're in seventh grade, uh, middle school, period, there's a lot of pressure to just do what everyone else is doing, especially when it comes to things you would do in any relationship or with other human beings of opposing genders. It's important to remember not to rush in, especially if you're not ready yet. And if you don't know if you're ready or not, you're not. That's always a good rule of thumb. So that's something that I try to uh, help my own children understand and know. And uh, hopefully if they hear this, they would uh, agree with me that that's something that I've helped to instill in them. What did you learn? I think what I learned on the parent front this week is just allowing your kids to be where they are and, and when they need to to talk about it, let them. I think the one thing that bothers me about Amy and Alan's parenting this episode is the after the party and them both being like, let us know, tell us what's going on. And, and my whole thing is when I was a teenager, when I really wanted to talk about something with my parents, I talked about it. And if I didn't want to talk to them about it, I didn't talk to them about it. And it wasn't like my parents that were ever like, don't tell us about these things. It was just some things naturally I would talk to them about and other things I weren't. And I know eventually my boys are going to be teenagers and they're either going to talk to me about these things or they're not going to talk about, to me about these things. And I know myself, I'm nosy, so I'm going to ask questions. But, you know, ultimately they they knew something was bothering Corey. They didn't force anything out of him once they realized there was a problem. But once he opened his mouth, they knew exactly where the root cause of the problem was and they acted upon it. <laughs> Maybe the secondary lesson is, is remind your older child that they have an impact on the younger one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that should be a regular reminder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Otherwise they could cause vast emotional damage. Oh, that's a classic. I got to keep that one going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lenny will always be on that one. So. I'm right? No, you're exactly right. So am I done with my education? Can I go? How would you grade Fear Strikes Out? 
You know, I didn't think about it up until the point I got done saying what I learned and I realized, oh crap, I need a grade. And so the grade that's sticking out in my head right now is a B minus. Uh, I think this was a really good episode and you know, I, I always wish there'd be more in the classroom, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I loved the dichotomy of, of, of what Corey's going through, what Mr. Turner's going through. Um, I think uh, I can't go to the A because I'm a dad and I'm icked out of the whole make out stuff. I get that it's important. And I think as a teenager... Uh, I probably would have rated this episode a lot higher because, it, you know, <laughs> I was in this this line. I was like, oh, this is so helpful. This is good. Uh, but as a parent, I'm like, uh, I don't I don't like this. I don't I don't like how we're all treating this. And I also felt very uncomfortable that with the whole no lips thing that Mr. Turner came up to him and said, hey, man, if you ever need to talk, you can come talk to me. And I'm like. I don't want my kid talking to a teacher about whether or not they made out at a cl- at a party like so yeah it's just due to the content itself I cannot <laughs> give a higher grade than a B minus <laughs> yeah I've sunk so low that even teachers feel sorry for me <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you with the B minus uh, for a lot of the same reasons. Um, and if I if I were when I first saw it first run, I would have been right there with a, a high A grade. But looking at it through a dad's eyes, um, the concept of a makeout party it it doesn't frighten me, but it's not something I can get on board with because with that being the sole purpose of a gathering it it cheapens an experience with other human beings for that to be the sole purpose that's that's something that that's a connection with another human being that's it, it shouldn't be rushed into that's that's a yeah i'm 40 good looking people i'm i'm gonna have a different value set and it's something that i adhere to and and i've I've shared with my children and hopefully that some of my values have rubbed off on them but those types of interactions and those type of connections with other human beings are designed to be deep and to last and to host a gathering where you're just going to spend seven minutes in a dark closet with someone you've maybe just met for the first time. And that's the whole point. That's not a concept I can get on board with. And to see Alan and Amy completely on board with the idea, it takes points off. I already discussed my whole reason for not liking what they did with Topanga in it. But I do like that. I do like the parenting in the end and how they handled Eric. I do like a lot of other things. I, I love the B story with uh, with John and with George. And I like that Eric did come through in the end. Mm-hmm. Even though it was a punishment, I like that he did come through. So B minus. Well, and I one of the things I like about our grading system, I don't think there really is much of a system really to it, <laughs> but other than the fact that we just we have to go with our gut feeling and, and our we cannot separate 
the fact that we are dads while we are watching this. That's why it's dad's meat world. <laughs> right. Well, and that's why, like, when the wives come on, they go, well, what's the what's the syllabus here? What's the, the spectrum? And it's like, <laughs> it's your gut feeling. It's as you're watching this, as, as the person you are right now, how would you grade this? And, you know, there, there's even a chance that you and I may go back through the first season at some point and go... Did we have our grades wrong? Have we experienced stuff since that has changed and, and impacted the way we we view this? And I think sometimes when it comes to critiquing things, people get way too much into the, well, I'm being super subjective whenever I rate these things. I was like, no, you're not. You can say it's subjective all you want, but you are bringing your experience, all the things you know, <laughs> into everything you're watching. It impacts it. It it always does. And that's why, like, you know, we were talking earlier about the Mario movie and you and I both said, hey, we had a great time. The music would pop up and it would get us excited, you know, and, you know, we were with our kids and just watch their excitement. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these people that come in all staunchly is saying we're going to rip apart these movies and say what's wrong with them. Like you're missing the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you are considered a critic if you're only <laughs> going to be negative about the whole thing or think that it's, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen in any given moment. Guess what? You know who's having a good time? The person that it's designed for. Yep. And for That's my soapbox for the there week. There you go. I knew you had to have one in you tonight. <laughs> Gotta have at least one. Yeah. Well, I do believe I owe you a dad joke. You do. Oh, and before we do, do we want to share our first email as a mailbag? <gasps> I think we do. Corey, Eric, guess what? I blew up another mailbox. Good looking people. We received our first email. So, and this comes from Allie and she says, I love the podcast. I've watched Boy Meets World since I was little and I like how you approach it. If I had to rate it, I'd give it a nine out of 10. Well, Allie, uh, I did respond, but uh, here you are on air, so to speak, and uh, we thank you very much for your listenership and for sending us an email. And uh, like we promised, as, as we said, uh, your shirt, uh, we already corresponded, your shirt is in the mail, so to speak, uh, should arrive to you soon. So, <laughs> Yes, we'll be we getting that to you as quickly as possible. Yes, as, as quickly as the printers are able to get it out from dasmeatworld.threadless.com <laughs> Yes. A place you can find all sorts of good Daz Meat World stuff. Yes. And uh, so other good looking people uh, we, we did have another email in here but we'll, we'll share that next time. <laughs> yeah. Next time. Yeah. Good looking people uh, you can send us emails at dasmeatworld at gmail.com And now Tyler yeah. has a dad joke for us. Yes, since we're talking about bicycles, we might as well go ahead and mention this. Brett, uh, why did the bicycle fall over? Why did the bicycle fall over? Because it was too tired. (laughs) But (laughs) um. Sometimes my favorite is just watching you not react to the ones I do. You know, one of these days we'll have to do a bonus episode where we just do like a dad joke off. Oh, that'd be great. (laughs) Well, good looking people. That is an episode. So that is an episode. So as always, we have been Dad's Meat World. Duh. 
Yes, reach out to us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, that Twitter, that thing's still around. It is. And seriously, send us your emails. We'll read them on, online. If you send us any uh, reviews, we'll read those too. That's right. And uh, next time we'll be getting into Sister Teresa. And we will have a special guest for that episode. Oh, all right. I'm finding out right along with you, good-looking people. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) So until then, good-looking, I'll see ya. Bye, good-looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios. Tell your story. Hopefully all these word little things of my brain fart get edited out. Probably not, because you're mean. Yeah, you want to hit us with that synopsis, Brett? Again? Did you already do it? Yeah, I went through the whole thing. Corey with the makeout, did you say who wrote the episode? Yeah, I even went down to the IMDB rating. Oh, wow. My brain is not working. So we, we, we start off in the cafeteria. Uh, and oh, oh, I, I, where did it go? Where did it go? Oh, man, I lost it. Eric at this point has waged such a psychological warfare moment. Why am I getting so many notifications at 11 o'clock at night? Hey, hey. Get. Hey. Get. <sighs> Someone's demanding food. Yeah, we fine. Yeah, we're almost done, cat.